0: You're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. Go,
1: okay, fine. Okay, so when I was at home this weekend, I was telling my stepdad about this podcast, and he was so desperately confused because he's never seen the series. And he was he kept asking me, Are you doing the movie? I'm like, no, we're not doing the movie. Then he sits down and I really want to note that we don't have cable. We literally just have like whatever our antenna picks up. And I'm in the kitchen with my brother and he's like, Julia, you need to come in here right. Now, Teen Wolf is playing on television, and so I saw a good chunk of it, and, uh... The movie? Yeah, the movie. Oh The movie. It was really crazy. And you never seen the movie? No, I've never seen the movie. It's the best. It's wild. It also came out the same time as Back to the Future, which is so funny because they are both a Michael J. Fox vehicle and both so different. And he was busy back then. He was really busy, which is good because he can't uh, be busy now. He had that show. He did, yes. But there yeah. was a period in between where he wasn't doing much. He
0: also is busy. No, he's been busy with his foundation. He does like, so much research into Parkinson's and stuff.
1: Yeah, but not like
0: acting. acting. But I think that his priorities changed when he got diagnosed with Parkinson's. And good
1: for him, honestly. Yeah. But do you know what really confused me, though, is that Stiles Stilinski, same name. Um, there's a coach, Bobby Finstock, in the movie. But then why did they change his last name to McCall? I have questions. What's his name in the movie?
0: Howard. Not Howard, which is boring. What's weird is they changed his last name to McCall, but he's like not white,
1: exactly. Well, that was my question. If you're trying to like
0: signal that Tyler Posey is, is Latinx, like you did a bad job, yeah. Although they may have changed the name before they cast him, possibly. Um, my teen wolf story is that I was in Target yesterday, as I am often. <laughs> we live so goddamn close to a Target, guys, it's so dangerous. And I saw a guy with the exact tattoo that Tyler Posey gets in the first episode of season three. And I was just like, wow, Scott McCall is one basic bitch. (laughs) Because you know Tyler Posey got that tattoo and then they had to write it into the series. I did, which I think is hysterically funny. He's gotten a bunch like over it now. So it's not just the two lines. He also just put out some new music. Let's pump Tyler Posey's music for a little bit. Okay. Haven't listened to it. Everyone go listen and tell us what you think. Yeah, because I'm not gonna listen to it. Yeah. You gotta tell us. Yep. Alright, well everybody, welcome to the Teen Wolf ReWolf Podcast. A podcast where we talk about nothing because nothing happened in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Uh anyway, I'm Julia. And I'm Christian.
1: And uh, this is the Teen Wolf Rewolf, and we are uh, per- talking Yes, as about- I said. Yep. Anyway, anyway, this is episode five, which is called The Tell. Um which
0: I think is Hilarious because that is such a small part of this episode. No, it's not. Because throughout the entire episode, Derek keeps listening to people's hearts to make sure they're not lying. Starting with Jackson and then also Kate.
1: Oh, yeah, I guess so. The tell just
0: culminates at the end where Scott tells you that that's what it is. Guys, I was so tired when I watched this episode
1: last night, so I might be saying some dumb things. Compared to what? (laughs) Compared to... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, Alright, do we want to get into our episode recap, ep- recapping the episode where nothing happened?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. Do you want me to go first, or do you want to go first? Well, I did take notes, but... Oh, congratulations. I know. I'm, like, really trying to keep that up, okay. but if you want to go first, because I went first last time. Okay. It's going to take me, like, less than a minute. I Well, that's what I was thinking, too, yeah. yeah. So, let's see how fast we can do it, and then compare times okay here well we'll do it on the stopwatch then instead of the timer okay all right ready and go so jackson and lydia go to a blockbuster where they're attacked by an alpha and then styles and his dad show up because they picked up the call on the radio and meanwhile scott and derek are on scott's first day of werewolf school and then derek tells scott that he's the only one who can find the alpha because he's the one who bit him and then kate gives allison a necklace that's going to tell her about her family history then allison has to hide that it's her birthday but scott finds out and then they skip school and meanwhile styles is trying to figure out what happened to jackson and lydia but no one will tell him then he goes to lydia's and he finds finds footage of the alpha on her phone, and then Kate comes and attacks Derek in his home and tells him that she didn't kill Laura, which we kind of already knew, and then Silas goes... No, and then they all go to their parent-teacher conferences and find out a bunch of stuff about things, and then a mountain lion shows up in the school parking lot, and Chris kills it, so everybody thinks they're out of the woods. 43 seconds. Cool. Nice. I actually feel like I could have done it in shorter, but I accidentally got my notes mixed up. You probably could i feel like there's not much of a point of me no because we have to saying, see if you can okay. do it all right listen i'm nothing if not unnecessarily Very competitive i am an aries oh, okay all right okay all right. are you ready yeah one two three
1: Okay, so Jackson and Lydia are at a blockbuster, and uh, Jackson says that Hoosiers is the best, uh, you know, sports movie ever, which it isn't. Um, Sheriff comes to the blockbuster because there was a murder, and then you know, werewolf school, as you said. Um, it's Allison's birthday. Scott convinces her to skip school for, you know, funsies. Um, Stiles visits Lydia, who is just on another planet, finds a picture of the werewolf, or the alpha, or whatever. Kate and henchman pay a visit to Derek, um, who behaves like the great big dumb idiot that he is. Great parent-teacher conference, um, except that Scott doesn't show up like he's supposed to. There's actually a mountain lion in the parking lot. Daddy Archer pulls out his gun, kills it. Uh, Scott and Allison are in big trouble. Uh, 4256.
0: Alright. I feel like you got things that I didn't get, though, so... Is it a. So, like, by the handicap of me comparison. doing a better job, I like get seconds knocked off my time. I, I'll allow it. Thank you. So, I won. You did win. Um, so, real quick. Yeah. Hoosiers is a great movie. It's not the best sports movie ever made. No. Which is miracle. Miracle, obviously. And I would even give, like, actually, no, you know what's the real best sports movie ever made? What? Stick it. That's true. Stick It is the best sports movie ever made. Maybe the best teen girl movie ever made. We'll do a bonus step on Stick It because I love it. It's truly excellent.
1: I'm, I think if we're talking about like best teen sport movies, Miracle.
0: Didn't Invictus win best picture or something? Uh, probably. I feel like the question... No, I mean greatest... like you do not have to pitch Miracle to <laughs> me because really I'm t- the <laughs> one who made you watch Miracle. It's true. Um, alright well just getting that out of the way also let's talk about the blockbuster
1: Um, we were just discussing this because uh, there is a family video really close to my home and my stepfather really really loves to patronize this place because it's a local business and he really hates when he can't find things online to stream Um, so I've been to a place where you physically rent
0: movies in the past year but you realize that you're, like, the special circumstance. Like, you know, there's like, anomaly. Yeah. There's, like, that one blockbuster in, like, Fairbanks, Alaska or whatever, and that's, like, the last one that's open. Yeah. Yeah, like, the last family video just happens to be in Rochester, Michigan.
1: I feel like there's two or three family videos. I don't know. It, it's kind of fun, though, because I remember... Loving going
0: to Blockbuster when I was a kid. Oh, I loved going to Blockbuster. All the stale candy, like fighting with your siblings. It It was was great. It was super great. We would rent all of the Mary-Kate and Ashley movies. Wow, throwback. Well, I was a twin, and I was like, that's me. I was a twin. I am a twin. My twin (laughs) is alive and well. (laughs) Madison, if you're listening, we're deeply sorry.
1: She doesn't listen. She told me she never would. Oh, Good for her. I don't know why I said that. Yeah. I don't know why she's not listening. That's sad. Um, Because she's
0: smart. (laughs) Okay. Great. Okay. So let's just jump into our theme this week. Our theme is a little bit looser because I don't think that we had anything that was like specific, like in a literary sense to adhere to, but there was something in a filmmaking sense that we want to talk about. And that was the concept of like making horror films and television. Yes, This episode from the get-go is structured to be like a horror movie from the music to the lighting to the The various camera angles as well. Like
1: at the beginning, we're seeing Lydia and Jackson from outside their car and we do eventually like go inside the car, but that kind of voyeuristic camera angle is very much a horror. There's an omniscience to this Mm -hmm. episode
0: that I don't think we've seen yet.
1: Yeah. Um, Because it's very much not focused on a singular person. Mm -mm. Um, Which is what makes this episode
0: so fun. Is mm -hmm. that because Scott is busy doing fuck all in the woods, we get to see (laughs) a lot of, like, extracurricular activity. Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah, a lot of the lighting. I know we've talked about the lighting before, about how much of this season is very gray-toned, but, um, you know, the, the lighting in the blockbuster is super creepy, and... Um, At one point, Jackson is crouching down next to a row of DVDs of Let the Right One In, which I think is hysterically funny and so on the nose. Um, And like you mentioned earlier, not on the podcast, um, the parent-teacher conferences are lighting-wise set up like police interrogations, which is ridiculous because they're just in a classroom. Why wouldn't you just turn all the lights on? Um, Because it really highlights that these kids are going through something and the teachers aren't necessarily like picking up on it, but they're saying things that are arousing their parents' suspicion.
0: Yeah, no, I think that that's definitely true. Um, But I do want to stick just on the the blockbuster scene just a little bit longer because that scene in particular, Mm -hmm. I think is where we kind of, it introduces the fact that this episode is going to be like a horror movie and then really solidifies it in the lighting, in the sound. Um, But also in that, like performance of our of Jackson, and I think mm-hmm. Colton Haynes. This is probably I think one of his better episodes. I would agree. It is so a, an episode where Jackson is exceptionally vulnerable. He is completely off his rocker pretty much the whole time. He's so anxious, he's terrified that something is going to come back and get him. And he also prior to this episode has a very scary interaction with Derek, where Derek literally claws holes in his neck. Which for any reason, for any person, that would be so fucking scary. And to see, like, Jackson already afraid that there are supernatural beings kind of coming after him and then being alone in a situation where Lydia clearly does not understand that he's in danger, it is like, you know, he's he's crawling and hiding behind shelves. Which, when we think about Jackson's character and, like, the way he conducts himself, mm-hmm. that's very atypical. Um, and and I think the best kind of horror moment in in the blockbuster scene is when the shelves have fallen on him he is crushed underneath them and we just see the claws mm-hmm. of the werewolf examine his neck and the holes are glowing because yeah. this is teen wolf and it couldn't make anything cool for two seconds it had to be dumb but like that is so like you know character mm-hmm. reaching out in the dark and feeling like spines or something like yeah in, you know well that kind of makes me think of like in the original Halloween movies, like
1: John Carpenter didn't give a name to Michael Myers because you know who that, that, you know that that's who it is, but he is such an amorphous horror thing. He's literally credited as the thing. Um, because at this point, we've seen like glimpses of the alpha and we don't really know what it looks like. And so to have that like insidious claw just like come out into frame and you don't see the, anything else... It's just like, oh, it gives you the heebie-jeebies. I was creeped out. I
0: was watching it in my house. It was pitch black. I was freaked a little mm-hmm. bit. And the best part about that is the through line of, like, how Jackson reacts to this and just how unsettled he is. Is, I mean, he obviously has the his blow-up where he screams at the sheriff being like, I, you don't understand. I want to go home. Mm-hmm. Which, obviously, like, the sheriff doesn't want to keep Jackson there. Like... He you know, He, loved he loves send Jackson home, not even just because Jackson's annoying, but also because he knows that Jackson is probably traumatized and he's like, you know, a mm-hmm. dad who like, understands that this is like a scared teenager. And Jackson is so unhinged and then slowly kind of sinks into madness through this episode to the point where he's sitting in the locker room and he sees the lights on someone's headphones and assumes that the alpha is back to get him because they're glowing in red. And it, it is it's really kind of like haunting. You know? Yeah. It's creepy. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's also just, like, that is such... That is the ultimate tactic in horror movies is the slow burn of Mm -hmm. someone knowing they are in danger, not being able to pinpoint it, and being terrified of it, and, like, that terror growing as the episode movie goes on.
1: Yeah, and then to have it culminate in the way that it does with the mountain lion in the parking lot, like it's so much terror and people are running around and getting into their cars and screaming and there's, like, this mass pandemonium. And then it turns out to be a dangerous creature but not what you were expecting. And so you're not let off the hook. Like, Mm -hmm. they keep that suspense going through to the next episode. Yeah. Um, Which is so smart.
0: And I also think now we... Especially in the scene where we see... Um, the sheriff with Dr. Deaton, where he asks him, can you identify this? And he shows him the frames of the alpha getting up and walking away. And he's like, Mm -hmm. by the way, in those frames, the alpha looks like an ape and not like a wolf at all. And I'm like... (laughs)
1: that that continues he doesn't look like a wolf ever ever and it's so weird and then
0: I would rather him just be a large wolf like twilight style (laughs) twilight style
1: well because like when we see Deucalion in later seasons he has that super weird like blue face that he does when he becomes the demon wolf or whatever but he's still like you know upright on two feet and he's not he's not a wolf and he's not like Talia who is actually a wolf
0: although I do think and hear me out Peter, no. Um, later in the se- later in the series, Derek can turn into a wolf. Talia can turn into a full wolf, and so can Laura. So we know that that's probably a familial thing for the Hales, but Peter's body is still so damaged and like yeah. destroyed that maybe that's as close as he can approximate, like trying to mold his burned flesh into like what resembles a wolf. And so it is just something that is like, you know, deeply scarred and uncanny and strange. But I also do not want to give the Teen Wolf writers the benefit of that (laughs) doubt because that would be really smart and Teen Wolf is not necessarily always thinking that forward.
1: Yeah. In that vein, um, kind of pivoting away from horror for a second here, of Teen Wolf not always being that smart, I was thinking this when they were having the discussion about how, like, pain keeps you human and you only have one week until the full moon and either you kill with the alpha or he kills you which they Derek makes he calls it literally a rite of passage which implies that in any other pack situation that's what's going to happen but we know from like future interactions when Derek is the alpha or when Scott becomes an alpha that that's not true and I it really kind of bothers me because it's one of those things where like Again, I can forgive a lot, but if you're trying to build the werewolf mythology and you're like, oh, in order to be a real werewolf and be a real part of this Alpha's pack, you have to kill with the Alpha, that's intense and then they just pretend like that never happened also
0: for the record the first person to suggest this idea is styles in episode three and he's like mm-hmm. maybe you have to kill together it's like a rite of passage and scott's like i don't want to kill anybody like that's just speculation styles has it like one point and then Derek's like uh-huh that's exactly. real <laughs> literally and they're just sitting there like uh did Derek tell styles that like did, what? Yeah. where did that happen and it never comes back like Derek is such a scammer. Derek is a scammer, and he's also. Let's talk about Derek in this episode. If Derek at any point, any point at all, behaved like a normal fucking human being, he would accomplish all of his goals. If he came up to Jackson and was like, Jackson, I am not going to hurt you, but I need your help because I'm trying to protect Beacon Hills, what did you see? Jackson would probably be like, man, I don't like you because you clawed my neck open. But he might actually be more willing to help instead of Derek torturing him. He is like, that guy's heart rate, Jackson's heart rate through this whole episode has to be just like through the roof. And Derek is like, you need to calm down and tell me the truth. Like he is... Suffering PTSD, like, both him and Lydia are deeply impacted by what they saw at Blockbuster to the point where Lydia just goes and, like, blottos out for the whole day. <laughs> the whole day. Like, and Derek's like, I know what will get the ant." Like, no. Being a werewolf doesn't make you inhuman. That's, like, a huge part of Teen Wolf. I just think that Derek is poorly socialized. Oh, a hundred percent.
1: One hundred percent. On so many different levels. Like, when he is interacting with Kate in this episode, who, first of all, a pedophile. Like, Kate Argent. A pedophile. Because she came after Derek when he was a
0: teen boy. But I was going to ask you about this. How old is Kate? She's she's young enough to be, like, like, sibling close with Allison. Like, obviously not, like, in age, but, like, in their... In their relationship. Yes. Yeah. But... I I was thinking that she was probably maybe only a couple years older than him. I do Like, in the way that she could have still been a teenager when that happened. Like, I would buy Kate as, like, in her mid to late 20s. I guess.
1: It's just... It's such an... It's such a creepy relationship.
0: Oh, it's It's real disturbing. It's so
1: weird. It's disturbing. And that, like... I don't know. I feel like we really... We give women a pass often when they are manipulating younger boys because the assumption is that boys you know don't care but of course they're not emotionally intelligent enough or like mature enough to be in that situation and so Derek's clearly messed up by that clearly messed up by the fact that half of his family died in a fire or whatever did he ever finish high school unclear oh true like unclear um yeah, and he just doesn't know when to stop. This, again, this is the same thing from the episode where Chris Argent's, you know, henchman busts in his window because he had to have the last word. And when Kate comes out and is taunting him, he has to come in and, you know, mess with her twinkie henchman. And <laughs> God, none of those guys can
0: ever act. They literally no. call Central Casting and they're like, we need, like, dudes who are definitely gay and also can't act at all uh, and we're just going to put them in leather jackets and the wife beaters which would be uncomfortable by the way.
1: Yes. And they
0: don't have to say anything ever. They Except the two things that they do say are delivered terribly. Yeah. The dog joke. When she's like really a dog joke I was also like really a dog joke. Yeah. God they can never act but yeah I, I, but I there's something about Derek where like I am unoffended by his recklessness because a lot of times when like there's like Reckless, like edgy, like manic characters. Their recklessness is like kind of like a big like f u to society in like a Batman way. Mm-hmm. But when I look at Derek, I'm like, oh, this guy is so depressed and like mm-hmm. acting out on like things that he is internalized and can't process. Um, so when he does stuff like that, I'm just kind of like, oh, poor Derek. He has no idea how to handle the things he feels. Yeah, I think Tyler Hecklin has a really thankless job on the first season of
1: Teen Wolf, just because he has to divine so much of that from very little dialogue, Mm -hmm. very little background that we get in this season. And a lot of what we can say about what we recognize in Derek comes from things we learn about him later on. Mm -hmm. So man, Tyler Hoechlin was trying and
0: he's not great, (laughs) No, but but he does do what he can with what he has. And I think you're right that it is a thankless job. Um, Going kind of back in the vein of horror, Mm -hmm. a central piece of Derek's character in this season is the burned out hail House, right? Yeah. It is like the last thing he has that's keeping him in touch with his family is Derek squatting in this burnout. Yes. We don't think he's sleeping anywhere else, not even in his car, like, I don't. Later, we find yeah. out he owns that nice apartment building downtown.
1: Yeah, well, it could be one of those things where when Peter's like, no, I have a condo downtown, maybe, but Derek is always there. That's
0: mm-hmm.
1: where they really know who to find him. Yeah. So, he also parks his car there,
0: which is very stupid. Yeah. Uh, You're a werewolf. Run there. Run there. He runs away. He does. And <laughs> I actually, there's something very touching about that scene Where he runs away, where, like, he... When Kate says, you're, I have no use to keep you alive, I almost wonder if there was, like, a part of Derek that, like, is still so, like, disgusted with his relationship with Kate that he had kind of had a weird hope that she might care about him in a a weird way enough to not murder him in cold blood. And when he sprints from the home and, like, looks back, he just sees that she's, like, you know, put. she's shot all those bullets into it. Like, he's put more damage into, like, he's invited more evil into his in his family's home, and it's really sad.
1: It's a really great moment.
0: It's also shot yeah. beautifully. It's, like, actually very... It, it moves away from, I think, even the horror aspect of the show, mm-hmm. because most of it, uh, we discussed, like, most of the camera work in this episode is all horror-based. When he's running running and like looks back and like the sun is kind of setting behind him it's like very emo yeah this show is so emo it is it's a lot of like man tears so many man (laughs) tears
1: okay speaking of man tears though being upset about total things that are pretty much unjustified like allison is so upset in this episode that, like, people found out that it was her birthday because people are like, oh, like, are you an idiot? But, like, people start kindergarten early. People are older when they go to high school, and it's not even like, oh, she's 19 as a junior.
0: Also, of course she's turning 17. She already drives. Yeah. We all know that she was 16 already, so the logical next step to her birthday would be 17. It just... that particular conflict, I'm like, why? This is. If she a- was eighteen, I would get it.
1: Yeah, but yeah. Because she's seventeen, I'm just like, that's
0: not extreme enough for you to be as annoyed as you are. No, like- no, like my brother was old for his grade because he was born in November or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then- I know my brother's birthday; he was born in November. But I'm saying was something <laughs> like that was like that's why he was older than his classmates. <laughs> Because well, this whole episode is me just dunking on my siblings. <laughs>
1: well, no, but, but that makes total sense because a lot of kids who are born, like, at the end of the year, or, like, if we're to think that this is the winter semester, so it's, like, January or
0: February, it makes total sense that Allison might be older. No, because that would be the beginning of the year, so it doesn't make sense that she's born older. It only makes sense at the end of the year.
1: But, like... It makes sense in my head. I'm just not articulating it very well. But anyway. I don't know, I read outliers. <laughs> um that being said, I do think that the Lydia birthday stuff is super
0: cute. That Lydia It's so sweet. Also, when did Lydia do that? Because she is at home on zonked just out just completely out of it. I feel like she probably did it did the, the day night before. before. Yeah. It, it was which- very sweet. And she like also I get not wanting people to know it's your birthday. Mm-hmm. Um her short bus comment was ableist uh, 100%.
1: But this is I mean this is 2011. This is we're still using the word retarded like we should and it's not offensive. So
0: fair. I again, I can't apply my oh, yeah. my own personal politics in the future back to the show. And it does get woker-ish. Um yeah. I mean, the last season. <laughs> oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Um Yeah, I just I'm a little bit confused about Allison and Scott's plot in this episode. Yeah. Cuz we already know that Scott knows he can't turn his phone off anymore.
1: And then he We did that Yes, We did. We, that did, that we did that last time.
0: You know, okay, so there's, there's a hockey writer I really like. His name is Elliot Friedman. He writes 31 thoughts if anybody likes hockey. Um, and he has said before that the only time he turns his phone off, the only time he's ever turned his phone off is for the birth of his two sons, because his job is such that he can't be out of the loop. And I'm like, Scott, unless you're <laughs> having a baby, <laughs> turn even his goddamn men, phone on. Yeah.
1: Even then. Even then. Men. I, well, it, you know who I really feel for in this episode? Is Styles. Is Styles and also Sheriff Zelensky.: Yeah. Particularly because... Well, one, Styles is not getting Scott to answer him, much like last episode. And Sheriff Swansky, and we see this later on when he finally does get told the truth about what's happening in Beacon Hills, is he goes back and he tries to solve all these cases that he knew he was missing something. And... You can tell, like, that there's just so many things that he could figure out if he had that last piece of information. Mm -hmm. And he just doesn't have it. And it is driving him insane.
0: And I really feel for him. You know what really kind of made me feel for him? Is, um... We see, like, his a big part of his thing is feeling like he can't do his job to protect Beacon Hills. And when he gets knocked over by the car pulling out and can't get his gun out fast enough to shoot the mountain lion, and then Chris ends up doing it. Yeah. He, there has to be a a, a moment of being like, my citizens are taking matters into their own hands because I couldn't do it. And that is really sad. Also, the latter half of this episode is gun (laughs) propaganda, and I want nothing to (laughs) do with it. No. That gun that Arjun pulls out. It's intense. That's your concealed carry? Like, I mean, the sheriff, who is a sheriff, just has like a normal handgun strapped to his ankle. Not anywhere visible, so you don't scare the people of Beacon Hills. And where was Chris hiding that thing? His leather jacket, obviously. Oh my gosh. Possibly in his wife's fur coat, which of course she was wearing a fur coat. Allison's mom, and I don't like saying this of other women, but she's evil, is such a bitch. She's such a bitch. Oh my God, she's And she's got like that, can I speak to your manager haircut and drawn on eyebrows, like everything about her just strikes me as like, she would come into my place of work and yell at me.
1: She's truly terrible, which is what I so appreciate about that teacher who is just like, oh, Allison wasn't in school all day. I checked with the office right after Victoria's like, we have a very open, honest, wonderful relationship with our daughter. And I'm like... Bite
0: me <laughs> True Also uh, yeah That lady I Again An unnamed, unnamed black, black woman, woman There to facilitate plot For the white characters Cool And But Is a little bit of a hero in this when, Especially when um, Lydia's mom and dad are fighting She's like yeah. I don't know There were any problems And I was like yes, yeah, Stick it to her dad Cause I don't know anything about her dad Except that he <laughs> sucks Yeah Um this is Wait Can we talk about the teachers for a second Please Mr. Harris. Oh, God, he's such a creep. He's such a creep, but he's also, like, such a bad approximation of Snape. He even teaches chemistry. Oh, and he yeah. like loves Slytherin Jackson, like the blonde, like evil hero, and like hates Styles
1: and Scott. And, and Scott, he just yeah. that like incredibly offensive. Oh, I mean, there's no male authority figure in your house. I hated <gasps> that. Oh, I was so angry! I was like Melissa McCall. If you wanted to hit him, you have my support,
0: my endorsement. Like also, how dare you assume that? His life would be better with a father figure. We later find out that Scott's dad pushed him down the stairs. Yeah, and like, is just an
1: emotionally unavailable alcoholic. Like, a terrible man.
0: Nobody on the <laughs> show can have more than one good parent. Except Jackson's parents seem very good, but they seem to talk about him being adopted in a way that was like, if I were Jackson, I would also have a complex about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i
1: i don't know i think about that kind of thing a lot because i'm not going to birth any children and like what are the conversations you have with your kids when they are adopted like and how do you work
0: through that with them because it's clearly something that bothers you but jackson does not take it well no i think we and i used i used to work in a summer camp as you know I'm wearing and the t-shirt right now i'm wearing i am wearing a camp t-shirt <laughs> oh wow um and we would sometimes have instances of, like, girls telling other girls, like, oh, I'm adopted. And the, and because you're little, you don't really understand what that means. And I remember once a girl was like, does that mean your parents didn't want you? And the girl who was adopted... I, and the girl who was asked that of the girl who was adopted I had no idea what she was saying. She was, like, seven. Mm-hmm. And the girl who was adopted was... I mean, it, it rocked her world. She was so sad. She'd never thought about it that way. And the way we, we sat down and spoke to her, we said, well... You know, I'll make up a name, Katie, you're really special because your parents got to choose you. And like, mm-hmm. that is how we, you know, you talk about it that way. Like you're, when you're adopted, your parents choose you. And that's really amazing to be, you know, have somebody who loves you so much when they meet you that they want you to be in their lives forever. Whereas most people just have their baby in love and, you know, that's the baby you get. Mm-hmm. Not in a way where you wouldn't love your baby, I'm for seeing it, but it's like special to be chosen. And Jackson's parents are like, yeah, Jackson seems to always want to impress parents he doesn't have. And I'm like, (laughs) you are the parents he has! No wonder he's so messed up.
1: Oh. Yeah, and what really brings it home in the second season is when the dad, like, goes to the sheriff and he's like, I know this isn't Jackson texting me because Jackson never says I love you. (gasps) Yeah. Yeah.
0: That really just like... And I was like, your kids only don't say I love you if you don't Say I love you.
1: It's such a weird conceit because that's like, so you know I love Gilmore Girls. I know. And one of the weirdest things about Gilmore Girls is that it's about this incredibly close relationship between a mother and daughter. And I I would love the numbers on how many times they say I love you to each other in the entire run of the series because
0: it almost never happens, which I just think is so strange. Well, you either have a relationship or you don't have to tell them. I mean... Or yeah. like, you know, the alternate is you don't have the relationship where you can. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Alright, back on theme just a little bit. While we're talking about the parent teacher conferences, mm-hmm. why are why do we think they're lit like that? Is it because it plays into the theme of this episode, which is established well in the beginning? Or do we have another like another reason? Is it supposed to be what we're concentrating on? What do you think?
1: I mean, I think it serves both purposes, honestly. And I don't know, I'm trying to think of like events that I attended at my high school at night would never have been lit like that because that's not normal. Um, but I do think that it, it it really helps to focus in on you're learning a lot more about what other people think of these characters. Like we know what we think of them, but we're seeing how they're perceived by. Their teachers, and then the reaction that they get from their parents upon hearing that particular thing. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the lighting is super interesting and and weird. Um, But it also kind of serves to highlight that, like, Scott's family, like, Melissa and the Argents are going to have a problem with each other. Like, there's that kind of foreboding, um, and then there's to draw the parallel between, like, Jackson's parents in that lighting situation and then Jackson uh, at the tree being silhouetted by, like, the lights in his
0: car. It's, like, a very similar That's a really striking scene. We see a lot of, like I mentioned earlier, vulnerability from Jackson in this episode. And for, in giving kind of Scott and Allison really nothing to do in this episode, we're able to kind of highlight the... The internal like lives of the other characters, um, specifically Jackson, and that scene where he's just lit by the headlights of his car, drinking and trying to you know, enact and, and perfection really by trying to shoot a lacrosse ball into a can, which I don't even understand how you physically do because yeah, I think when you toss something like that, it'll curve anyway, and the you know the can's just sticking out. It, it is he's given himself a near impossible task and is desperate to get it right and can't and, and he breaks down and again this i think there's a really kind of really good episode for colton haynes to explore the other parts of jackson well and to
1: know that he was like in the throes of alcoholism himself colton haynes colton haynes yeah, yeah during these two seasons was a lot and like you can just really see that in his physicality and like it made it all the more painful to watch, kind of knowing that that's what the actor was going through, and then mm-hmm. to, like, channel that into all of the things that Jackson was feeling. I thought it was a beautiful performance, but also just, like, ooh.
0: Yeah. It, like, it, it, it hits you in a weird way, for sure. Yeah. Um, luckily, Colton Haynes is, seems happy and healthy now. Just yeah. Just a really quick update. Shout out. We love him. I Him and <laughs> Holland Roden are still, like, best friends, and that just makes my heart sing. It means a lot to me. It really does. Holland Roden. Let's talk about Lydia.
1: One, I'm going to have to get out
0: of the way. Normally, I think that the show objectifies men and women equally. Actually, maybe even more focus on men. That like negligee she's wearing on the bed and like her come hither pose. I was like, oh, this is so male gazey. It, it is. It was, and her being like just completely like out of it, like drunk housewife style. Also what the fuck was she on
1: <laughs> I, I wish i knew i wish that they had zoomed in
0: on the, the pill bottle, the pill bottle because, so i knew because yeah. you kind of assume that she's just on xanax or whatever but xanax doesn't make you hallucinate yeah like unless she chased it with like a vodka soda which like all right have fun <laughs> that seems very lydia though no it totally would also her mom too. Like her mom seems a little amy Poehler and mean girl. I was just about to say that. Um yeah, it's really awkward, but
1: um a great thing that happens in that exchange is we get um
0: where what the hell is a styles? True. Which comes back. Which it does come back. And I also kind of love that styles is kind of liking the idea of, like, Lydia giving him a little extra attention. He obviously, like, isn't going to push anything because she's completely out of it. Mm-hmm. But the second she says the name Jackson, he's like, nope, no, no, I'm not pushing that any further. Like, it, it speaks well of styles that he's not taking advantage of this girl. But mm-hmm. it's also something where he's like, if Lydia doesn't want me, I do not want her. And I think that that's... And as much as he loves her, that's really hard to admit. Um, but this brings us back to our... Um, our horror trope, where we have an instance of found footage. Yes. And found footage is, it it actually happens earlier, later, earlier, when Deaton and the sheriff. When does the sheriff show Deaton? Oh, the the photos? Later. Later, okay. Yeah. So we have two instances of found footage Mm -hmm. in this episode, and found footage is, like, in Mm -hmm. modern horror, fairly classic trope i mean the blair witch perfected it but you know slender man all that stuff like the collection of images that like give you just enough of what you're supposed to be terrified of but never the full picture and that i think is a really interesting thing because we saw a little bit just in the claw on jackson and we know what jackson has kind of seen and then we see what lydia has seen and that's we're trying to piece together something that like we're only catching glimpses of and that builds the terror equally throughout the episode
1: yeah um and I think that I think is really effective when um Sheriff Stilinski brings Dr. Deaton those um photos I remember texting you when I was first watching this if Dr. Deaton was the alpha because I was really convinced for a while that there was something like super shady going on with him because like he seems very pleasant and nice but also, he's clearly withholding.
0: For someone who has been keeping these secrets for god knows how long, he's bad at it. He is very bad <laughs> at like, lying. He's so <laughs> suspicious seeming. I'm just like, "You have had years of practice to get good at law- lying. Probably to law enforcement." And he's like, "Uh I have a stick Doberman." And you're like, great Great. yeah you're a (laughs) vet i'm sure you do like i know that the you don't actually no one ever actually has to talk to law enforcement unless there's a warrant involved or you know you are somebody who is going to be targeted by law enforcement more than others obviously but but you know why is he like he could just be like you know i've kind of given you my thoughts i don't know what more you want me to pull from this because I, you know, whatever. He could just say something like, I can't give you any more answers than I've given you. And then the sheriff would be like, you know what? You're right. Sorry for pressing the issue because the sheriff in this show and nowhere else is like a reasonable dude. Yeah. Yeah. It really serves to make Deaton
1: really suspicious. Um, And you kind of don't know
0: where to to look at this point. Um, Yeah. I remember being super shocked. By finding out who the Alpha was upon first watch.
1: Oh, me too. And then, like, when I thought about it, I was like, oh, God, that was so obvious. Yeah, I was like,
0: I'm a buffoon. How did <laughs> I not know?
1: It's telegraphed really well, except that when you find out, you're like, what the... Fuck? <laughs> Where did that come
0: from? Yeah. But it's so good. Like, it's so and well... And I pride myself on being able to figure out mysteries early in shows. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Christian... You goofed. Yeah, you done goofed. You done goofed. Speaking of people done goofing, this show a lot <laughs> of done goofs, and I think we should move on to our questions and observations because I think they'll probably be less analytical and more just like general. How did we get from point A to point B in this episode? Because there was a lot of confusing stuff going on.
1: Yeah. Do you want to start with your questions?
0: Um. We already talked about one of them, and okay. that was. Where did this concept of Scott having to kill with the alpha come from? Which we hashed out, but still it's still it's huh weird. What? Yeah, what?. Ooh. Um, and then okay, I, I have a question. this is this is maybe um, a little bit more like character based. What do we think of Styles asking Danny if Danny is attracted to him? <laughs> because Danny is a little tokenized, I think, in the first couple of seasons until we have, we introduce more gay characters and he has his relationship with Ethan. He is just kind of like the, Danny's gay, (laughs) which is often the case. Um, I, I think Styles is, like, impulsive and doesn't really know how to, also, like, has, you know, his social skills don't necessarily line up with his intentions. But I was just like, um... You know, I think part of it probably was because
1: Scott wasn't in class and therefore Styles doesn't have his usual partner to like his sounding board. Toward. His yeah. sounding board. Literally, I feel like a lot of Styles and Scott's friendship is Styles just talking and Scott just nodding or like literally not even paying attention to him, but Styles just keeps talking mm-hmm. and that's their relationship but Scott wasn't there. So I feel like Danny by virtue of the fact that they're on the lacrosse team together and he was sitting really close like just got the brunt
0: Yeah Of that And he's like "Styles keeps being like Can I ask you a question And he's like no. no And he's like well <laughs> Here it goes I
1: I mean I also think It might be a manifestation Of like I I need people to reassure me mm. That I'm not annoying them And True. that might have been A similar thing for Style, Who's like Am I annoying Like Yeah I know that he's asking Do you find me attractive But it's it's a similar thing Of like are you okay with me being an annoying presence in your life? Because I know I am. Sure. And like,
0: I did look up like where Kiahu Kahu Anui came from, like acting wise. He has like an engineering degree from BU. Of course he does. (laughs) And I was like, but (laughs) how did you end up on Teen Wolf? You have other cooler things to be doing, but clearly not. He's also very beautiful. So I mean, Teen Wolf was like, oh yes, beautiful, hot people only. The hot people only role in the show is like, (laughs) only works because Teen Wolf is so ridiculous.
1: And, but it also kind of proves to be a downfall later when you have like people who are not as hot who are boring characters and you're like, I don't care about you because you're boring and
0: you're not hot. You can hot. say her name.
1: I honestly can't even Hayden.
0: Refer- <laughs> Hayden. <laughs> <laughs> She's so... She's so boring. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um no. and listen, I-, I would say this if it was a male character who was also boring and unhot. Like I'm not like being I'm not trying to be like this girl if she's gonna be boring needs to be hot, but like if you're gonna be boring, you gotta be hot. Because yep. this show can only get you so far because it's so stupid. It's so dumb. It's so
1: dumb. <laughs> and uh, like literally, she's so boring, I could not remember her name, and she plays a
0: huge part in season five. It's so annoying. Yeah. Oh. All right. Um, I, we can move on to my observations now. Or, you know, your questions. Sorry, I'm not going to take all the air time. Oh, that's okay. I mean, um, I will if you let me. So, get well, moving. We're, we're working on that.
1: Um, no, I had this in all caps because I do not understand why does Styles delete the picture of the alpha that he took from Lydia's phone. It
0: almost feel like a weird way of getting back at Scott, but, like, that is detrimental to both of you. Yeah. So maybe he's just feeling angry and self-destructive, which, like, I get. Um, but, yeah, I was just like, Styles, you're too smart for that.
1: He's too smart for that, and also, when, when he spends such a long time hovering over the do you want to delete this picture, yes or no, I really thought... When I first watched this, it it, said it was going to be no, and he was going to, like, save himself from whatever dumb thing he's about. No, he just deletes it, and oh.
0: Also, wait, did he just send those pictures to him from Lydia's phone, or did he steal Lydia's phone? No, I think he sent them. <laughs> okay. Well, Lydia still has those pictures. It's not as if they're unrecoverable, but, like, if I were Styles, I would have done the passive-aggressive thing and just sent Scott the pictures, being like, are you having fun on your date?
1: <laughs> real. Um... Yeah, I mean, my other question was kind of like, "What is
0: Lydia on?" But we've, we've got <laughs> we, to, we a don't zesty know. cocktail of things. <laughs> of there something. are two pill bottles there, so maybe they just have don't react well together. <laughs> that's that's true. Um, all right. Yeah. Ops. Observations. Okay. Um, I love, and this is like not a big part of the episode, but it does a good job of making you kind of understand why Scott and Allison work is how protective they are over each other the entire episode. All of their little bits are them like pulling each other back from something mm-hmm. and it's very endearing. Like when yeah. they, she takes a tar- sharp, sharp turn and quote unquote soccer moms him and like throws her arm out and stuff. Like that's really sweet and then he pulls her back from falling in, over a tree and then they both like try to keep each other out of the river and stuff and like it's just little moments of like being in each other's space where they're like I'm looking out for you. Um, and you know, we don't really get a sense of what they're talking about, but they spend all day just walking around talking like they don't stop at any point. And it just really makes you without even knowing what they're saying to each other, it makes you understand that they click on like a fundamental level. And I don't think that we often build romances in teen shows like that. It's usually just two people being like, you're hot, I'm hot, let's make it happen. And I really just, I mean, like it, I think as boring as it was to watch them, I was like, I think this is an important thing of like creating a relationship between them. That's very sweet. It was sweet. Um, Now to complain some more. (laughs) Which is all we're doing. Um, Oh, I said the alpha is shaped like a monkey. (laughs) Which I mentioned. It looks like a gorilla. No, it does. (laughs) It's huge. because,
1: Because... I do you know what I think it is though I huh. think it's like that picture caught him like midway between transition, mm-hmm. so his like front legs are getting shorter than his butt, so I think that
0: All it's right. bad
1: i don't I'm not justifying it to you, but i I just think it's there probably wasn't an
0: actual reason, but one can hope, yeah, yeah, I also okay, so mountain lions again, beacon <sighs> Hills changes locations all the time
1: mm-hmm.
0: where are we where mountain lions can be like a direct threat but there's also a downtown area is that a thing in california also as far as how big mountain lions are there was a news story like maybe three weeks ago where a man was attacked by a mountain lion while hiking like in, Cal- in like california somewhere and he strangled it to death because he was going to die if he didn't. But a mountain lion can't tear you in half, I don't think. I mean, they can once you're dead and come back and eat you, but they can't do it in one go. I don't don't think so. Um, I don't know. I think... Also, there are better, scarier, more interesting animals. (laughs) Bears?
1: Bears. Well, the mountain lion thing, like, I don't know. I think we live in a time when wild animals, unfortunately, wander into really urban areas. You know, and true, particularly because California, like, is in a lot of places mountainous to the extent where like the mountains kind of butt up to the town, and so the mountain lions obviously live in the mountains. Yeah. So I don't think it's unrealistic, but I do. It made me so crazy that people were like running around and screaming. If I saw a giant wild animal, I would slowly back away and get in my car.
0: Also, if we're believing that this is Northern California, I mean it's one of those things where you like get taught how to like yeah, you should I had I- to get like when I was working at camp which I'll <laughs> talk about again I had to learn how to like handle like if you saw a bobcat which is not mine um because like at one point during one summer I was there a bobcat took down a, ho- a horse in the town and mm-hmm. we obviously had to protect our the horses that were at camp and I used to take kids into the woods for like nature walks and stuff so they had to be like you have to go and learn how to deal with it and like presumably if you live in a town where that has been on curfew because of this mountain lane threat you would find out that like oh you're supposed to make yourself look bigger but you back away slowly and blah 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 blah, blah. i was just like it also just none of you like, have any home training <laughs> or like common sense yeah yeah um i was trying to think if i had another observation uh no i don't think i do you're up um i have a couple
1: go ahead one, I think it's interesting to see Styles policing his dad's eating um, when they're in the car and mm-hmm. he's like, you can't have curly fries because of your cholesterol or whatever, which I think is a trope that's typically reserved for young women mm-hmm. who have single dads. Um, so I think it's just like cute and also clearly a manifestation of grief mm-hmm. um, and like the way that he wants to protect his dad. He's like, I can't lose you because I've lost it enough. Yeah. Um...
0: I just thought that was also just a really sweet moment. Um, also, I love that Sheriff had to stop him from answering the police radio, yeah. because clearly this is, like, part of their routine, where they get together, and, you know, while he's on duty, and they have dinner together, because what is Styles? Because the other option is that they eat alone. Yeah. And he'd rather just have Styles in his car listening to the radio than, the police radio, than at home alone, and that's really sweet. I love their relationship. I, do I really do.
1: Um, this is not a long observation, but this is the second appearance of The Spiral. It's on the roof of the, um, the Blockbuster.
0: Oh, I missed red. that
1: one. Yeah, it's kind of glowing when Scott and Derek Of course it's walk glowing. Off. I mean, God, it's, teen wolf. it's funny. Well, do you know what it looks like, though? It looks like someone, like, spray-painted, like, glow spray paint, but from a really far-up angle because it's really dispersed. Um... It's kind of funny. And then, all right, this is the first appearance of the pendant that leads Alice into discovering that her family is
0: werewolf hunter family. And it is ugly. It is ugly. (laughs) Okay, okay. Like, picture, like, the least visited stand at the Ann Arbor craft fair. You're like, ugh. Like, that's where you find it. Oh, my gosh. It's, It's ugly.
1: And also, what I just found incredibly maddening is when... Um, Kate's, like, if you ever want to learn more about your family, look up that symbol. How do you look it up? It's, first of all, how do you look it up? (laughs) Second of all, it's just an old-timey drawing of a wolf, which could lead you to so many things. Yeah, you'd be
0: like, wolf howling at moon, symbol, pendant, and you'd get about 8,000 things, mostly from, like, 1980s horror movies. Pretty much. Um, I think I did look
1: up, back when, like, back when, you know, later on in the seasons when the Beast of Givaudin (laughs) becomes a a big part, like, it, it does look like that, um, is the thing. Like, that's what that drawing looks like. Oh. So, I understand, kind of. But it's also just like, the most generic figure of a wolf that you could possibly draw. Like, it, it makes me
0: crazy, and it's ugly, and... Also, if I googled that shit, it would be like, wow, that's weird, and like, <laughs> wouldn't take any of it seriously. No. Uh, absolutely but not. But Allison, Allison, at one point, like, yeah, this is it. I'm like, why does everybody accept things so easily in this show? So like, easily. My skepticism knows no bounds. no bounds. I can't think anything's cool without being like, but maybe it's not. <laughs> um All right. Was that the last of your that observations? Was the last of my observations. All right. Um do
1: you have pack stats? Um, I ha- there was definitely a gratuitous um,
0: Shirtless Derek moment It was also a Shirtless Jackson moment And a Shirtless Jackson moment So two for Shirtless um, Also I- the patented Derek Hale Doorframe pull-ups Without like a bar <laughs> He just does it from the What's it called? A Tyndall? What's the top of the doorframe called? Does it not the doorframe? No there's like a top that like
1: Goes over past No uh, No I have no idea what you're talking about But I'm
0: sure that you're right I'm going to assume I'm right, too. <laughs> Great. Um, yes, he's always doing pull-ups from a doorframe, but never with one of those like doorframe pull-up bars. He just does it like claws dug into the <laughs> wood, I guess. Just hang in there.
1: Yeah, it was gratuitous, but I did love it. Oh, I love it. Um, there's a couple. There are two brief instances that happen almost immediately, one after another, where Scott's mm-hmm. eyes glow because they're in the car in a... They're passing streetlights. They're lights. passing streetlights.
0: But I didn't see any um, gratuitous advertisements. I didn't either. Also, we have the alphas, cl- the alpha's Eyes Glow, and then also Scott's Eyes Glow again in um, the parking lot when he was trying to listen for the mountain land. Ah. Uh, so we have three eyes, two shirts. No ads. No ads. As far as I can tell. And, oh, claws. We had the, the Alpha Claws. Yeah. That was my only claws. The one. So one, two, three. Easy pack stats. Yeah, I hope these pack stats get a little more... Interesting. It was not an interesting episode. No, it was kind of boring. But and most of the violence was gun violence, which just bores me. It's not interesting. It's not interesting. Um, But uh, do you have
1: an alpha of the week?
0: I was thinking about this. I was gonna wait to hear yours to decide mine. So if you don't have one,
1: no, because here's the thing: is it cheating to say that I don't have one? Because yes,
0: you got to pick. No one was a real standout for me this episode I was gonna pick the sheriff But I guess the sheriff Maybe Melissa I'm just gonna give a shout out to the single parents on this show Yeah I think that works For for our our authors of the week Melissa Noah is the sheriff's name Yes it is Lydia's mom
1: (laughs) Lydia's mom who is a single mom and she's doing it Yeah
0: I don't remember what her name is though Mrs. (laughs) mrs mark <laughs> no she has a name i know she has a name i
1: just can't remember right now yeah um shout out to the single parents of beacon hills yeah
0: there's a whole bunch of you
1: and somehow all of your friends all of your children hang out in yeah, our friends
0: was, yeah for whatever reason yep i wait before we go Sheriff's conversation with Coach Pinstock.
1: Iconic. The best part of this episode, probably the
0: reason we didn't talk about it is because there's nothing to complain about. It's just so So funny. funny. (laughs) It is so funny. Like, we introduced the fact that we have no idea what Styles' name is and do not learn until season six. The repartee that he has with Coach Finstock rivals the repartee that Styles has with Coach Finstock, which I think is really excellent. Mm-hmm. Because, one, it tells you just how similar Styles and his dad are as people. But it also just lets you know that, like, Bobby Finstock has no reservations about his weirdness with people he might have, like, like have similar status in a room with. Like, your high school teachers are weird to you because you're a student, you'll probably think it's funny, but they're, like, normal adults to your parents. Nope. No, 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 and the fact that Noah calls him Cupcake. <laughs> so good. It is so good. Um,
1: just his very frank delivery of, I teach economics is really what so got me. Good. Like I, I very rarely laugh out loud when I'm watching t Wolf, but I, every time I've seen that exchange, have had to pause the episode because I cannot stop laughing. It is just so
0: funny. Um, Why does Styles know the entire history of the male circumcision? <laughs> Late Night Adderall. True. Binge. I say yeah. this, but I'm also reading my notes from my Sociology of Sexuality notebook, so, so who knows? It might be in here. <laughs> all right. All right, everybody. That's our episode. Sorry to See? end it on such a weird note, but uh, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter to get updates about Barn. Coming episodes, you can follow us at TeenWolf underscore ReWolf. You can follow our personal Twitters from there. We also have an Instagram, which Julia is really bad at running. I am, but I'm going to get better at it, I cool. swear. Cool. Yeah, Hey, really? I started
1: taking notes about the plot,
0: so the Instagram's coming. I cannot be the one holding this <laughs> no, podcast together. You can't.
1: But, oh, thing to mention for the people listening, stay tuned for our first bonus episode. Yes,
0: our first bonus episode is coming out probably later this week. Um... We have picked Twilight. Obviously. We thought about doing the original Teen Wolf movie, and we'll definitely get there, but for the first one, we wanted something that we could just exclusively make fun of. Also. Um, But also with love, because I love Twilight. So that will be coming out later this week. We do love Twilight. We do. Yeah. It's going to be great. I mean, it's just bad. Stay tuned. Um, And other than that... We hope you guys have an excellent week. Yeah, Wolfpack, tear it up. All right. Bye. Bye.